Well, it is really lovely to be with you this morning. Thanks for the invite. Bring the greetings of the church family. Uh, and it is a real um, privilege to come and preach to you this morning. Um, Matt asked me to, pre- uh, to read the passage first. Um, can I encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 1, either in a physical Bible, if you've got one, um, or on a device, going to be referring to it verse uh, by verse. Let's get the building off the... Uh, we don't need to see that, do we? Um, so Mark chapter 1, um, verse 21 to 28, we're looking at. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. That's what God's Word says. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. He taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your words. Uh, Thank you that you wrote it. Thank you that you still speak through it. We pray that you would speak this morning, that you would show us the Lord Jesus Christ, that for those of us uh, who don't yet know him, that you would show us who he really is and what message he teaches And for those of us who have already come to faith in him as our saviour, oh Father, we pray that you would show us more of Christ. We we ask that you would open our hearts to receive him in in a deeper way today. You'd help us to listen to what he teaches and we pray, oh Lord, uh, that we would put that into practice. Please change us um, for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Who do you think Jesus is? And how are you responding to what Jesus says? Who do you think Jesus is? And how are you responding to what Jesus says? Two key questions uh, that this passage are all about. Two key questions that are connected, aren't they? Because depending on who you think Jesus is, that's going to affect how you respond um, to what he says. Let me give you an example. Well, there's the passage. Imagine you're on holiday somewhere, and you come up against this guy, and this guy says, you need to move out of the way. How are you going to respond um, to what he says? Well, if he's wearing this uniform, you might respond differently, because he's a police officer. He comes with authority. And so first time you meet him, maybe you won't listen to him, but now you know who he is. Now you know what authority he carries. Uh, you're going to listen to what he says when he tells you you need to move, you need to get out of the way. When it comes to Jesus, recognizing who he is must affect how we respond um, to what he says. That's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. 
But I want to begin by going back through the story. I always think it's helpful when we're looking at a, a story, a piece of narrative in God's Word, that we get the, the story clear in our minds. Why? Well, because it is good and right, and we're commanded to read God's Word when we meet together um, as Christians, and we should keep on doing that. But I often find that we kind of switch off often, don't we? And we can miss the details of the story. So what we're going to spend the first bit uh, this morning doing is going through that passage, going through the story bit by bit to get it clear in our heads before coming to two things um, that flow out of this passage. So again, can I encourage you to open the passage up? We're going to be going back to the verses uh, time and time again, either a physical copy um, or on your devices. Let's head to verse 21. What does it say? They went to Capernaum. Who's they? Well, it's Jesus. And his followers, the ones that you met last week that um, Math, I think, uh, took you through. And they're heading to Capernaum. Here's a couple of maps of Capernaum. Capernaum's in the north of Israel. It's on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. Um, We're getting in northern Israel. There's a fishing town or a city right on the edge. But that's not what the focus, Mark's focus is uh, in this verse. Because the thing Mark wants us to Uh, draw our attention to is the next bit of the verse. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. That was a bit loud. Teach. To teach. That's what's important in this passage. We're going to come back to that in a little while. We get the crowd's reaction in verse 22. The people were, what were they? You can say it out loud. Amazed. Amazed at what? That is teaching. He hasn't done any miracles yet. We learn later in uh, Mark's gospel that people are gathering to Jesus. They're amazed so often at what he does. But here the people are amazed at his teaching. Verse 23, the scene changes. Let's turn to it. Well, let me finish off verse 22. The people are amazed at his teaching. Why? Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The scene changes in verse 23. Enter stage left, a man... Just then, a man in this synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. Well, let's deal with that uh, to begin with. When I looked at the passage that Math had uh, given me, sent him a text to say thanks very much for that. So let's uh, let's tackle this kind of demon, this evil spirit that's mentioned uh, in this passage. We live in a society, don't we, that believes that you can only believe in what you can see. We've even got a phrase for it, haven't we? Seeing is believing. That's what our society so often says it believes, uh, but actually it doesn't in so many ways. Our society believes in feelings, in emotions. It it believes in gravity. Anytime someone sits on a chair, anytime someone gets into an aeroplane, they can't see gravity, but yes, they do believe in it. So many in our society believe in things like fate, something they cannot see, and yet they do believe in it. But the truth is, regardless of what the society out there believes, the truth is, the truth that we find in God's Word is that God has made a visible and an invisible side of this world, a physical and a spiritual creation. Let's take ourselves as an example. What are we as people. What is a human being? We are bodies, physical, things you can see. You can see my body. If you cut me open, you'd see my body on the inside. We are physical. 
And we're souls, spiritual part of us, something you cannot see, a body and a soul as one thing, as a human being. That's what the Bible teaches. And so it's not, therefore, crazy to think that God might have also made other spiritual beings that we cannot see. Some of those spiritual beings are good, angels, God's messengers, God's servants, those beings that God sometimes sends to help believers. Yes, even today, God can send angels to help us. We might not be able to see them, but they may well be ministering to us. Some of these spiritual beings that God made are bad, are evil. They're fallen angels, or they're demons, or they're evil spirits. The Bible uses those words uh, side by side. And they're led by the great enemy of God's people, Satan himself. And in his ranks are these spiritual beings that can cause untold suffering uh, to people, yes, even today. People like the man that we meet in verse 23. Uh, the NIV is what I'm using, uses the word possessed here. I'm not sure that's the best uh, translation. Um, I prefer he was a man with an unclean spirit, and we can only imagine the suffering that this man suffered at the hands of this evil spiritual being. But that is not what Mark's focus is in this passage. The focus is that this evil spirit recognizes something. He recognizes or it recognizes someone. Let's turn to verse 24, because this evil spirit says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. What do you want with us? That us is probably talking about this evil spirit and other evil spirits, and the force of it is this, go away, we don't want you here. What, do you, what have you come to do? Have you come to destroy us? You see, this evil spirit realized something, recognized something that Jesus had the power to defeat evil, but also he saw something about his purposes, that yes, that is why Jesus came. That's why Jesus will one day come again to destroy evil. But the key point that Mark's trying to get at, um, to us this morning is what comes next. I know who you are. Who is that? The Holy One of God. What Mark's trying to show in this passage, and to us even all those years later, is that this evil spirit recognized something about who Jesus is, that he is God, God himself. Mark's already been telling us that, hasn't he, so far in Mark's gospel. I assume you started with Mark chapter 1, verse 1, as you started this Go and Make uh, series. What does Mark tell us? The beginning of the good news about who? About Jesus. Who is he? He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's God's promised king, the one that would come, the one who would come to rescue, the one who would be God himself. He's the son of God in relation to the Father, but also God in his own right. Mark is making that clear from the very beginning uh, of his gospel. It's something that he points to in what uh, Isaiah, quoting Isaiah in verse 3. We just sang of it as well, didn't we? Prepare the way for the Lord. 
Who is this Jesus? He's the Lord. He's God himself. It's something that John the Baptist noticed in verse 7. He could see that after him comes one more powerful than him. And now this evil spirit sees the same thing. Who is Jesus? He is God. God himself. That's what the evil spirit sees. And the challenge for us this morning is are we going to see the same thing? The passage goes on, doesn't it? Verse 25. What is Jesus' response to that? He says, be quiet. He rebukes this evil spirit. Should we deal with that for a second? Why is Jesus telling this evil spirit to be quiet? Has it, has it got it wrong? Is Jesus not God after all? Well, no. Not 100% sure why he rebukes the spirit here. Uh, maybe one of two things. It might be that he didn't quite want the bad press that came with something that was known to be evil, pointing out the truth about who Jesus is. Can you imagine if you had a Google review uh, or a Facebook review for Thornhill Church? Uh, and the comment, the review itself said, uh, they tell you the truth. And you kind of think, okay, yeah, well, we do tell people the truth here. Then you notice the name of the reviewer, and it's evil.spirit97. And you think, that's not the kind of press that we want. That's not the kind of reputation and the review that we want. That might be what's going on here with Jesus. But more likely, it's that Jesus, it wasn't yet time for Jesus' kind of full identity and his full mission uh, to be known. You see that all the way through Mark's gospel, telling people, don't don't tell people what's happened to you, that I've healed you, or that I've changed your life in some way. We see that going along uh, on a lot, because it's not yet time uh, for that to be fully known. That comes later uh, in Mark's gospel. It's as though Jesus is saying, keep things on the down low. But what does Jesus do instead? Jesus issues a clear and simple command. Verse 25, Come out of him. No ritual, no incantation, no spell, no magic, just a clear and simple command. Jesus has power and authority over evil. How do we know that? Well, because of what happens next. Verse 26, the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. This evil spirit left. How? Because Jesus told it to leave. Jesus has command and authority over evil. In verse 27, we get the people's reaction again. What are they? Someone tell me. The people were all so amazed, but again, not at the miracle that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching. And with authority. Yes, this miracle, this casting out of this evil spirit gets a mention. He even gives orders to impure spirits. But the focus is on Jesus' authority. And they obey him. And then we get the kind of consequence of all of this in verse 28. The result. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. That's the story That's the narrative that Mark tells us. Let's get that clear in our minds. But so what? What difference does that make? Why has Mark decided to record this in his gospel? What does God want to teach us? Though these events happened 2,000 years ago, what does God want to say to us today 
in Cardiff, in Thornhill in 2024. I believe it's this. We need to recognize who Jesus is and we need to respond to what Jesus says. Why? Because he has authority both over the unseen and the seen. We need to recognize who Jesus is and we need to respond to what Jesus says because he is God who has authority both on the seen and over the unseen. Let's break that down a little bit. Uh, and this is kind of two points I want us to go away with today. And this is the first one. We need to recognize who Jesus is. You see, we see it first in the reaction of these people um, to Jesus' teaching. Let's go back to verse 22. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. Uh, Jesus is talking there, or the other teachers there are, um, probably looked a little bit like this. They were teachers of the law. They were scribes. They were scholars. They were experts in the Old Testament law, so much so that they became teachers of those people around in Jesus' time and before. They even became judges in religious matters. These are the kind of people you'd find in universities these days. Um, who know their Old Testaments really, really well. But Jesus comes along, and he blows them out of the water. He teaches in a way that's totally different from what these scribes are teaching. He teaches with an authority that is greater, that is better, that is stronger uh, than them. It would be like um, me coming here today, and I can say this because I know it's not true, and you listening to me preach, and you saying, he, he preaches with an authority that Math and the other elders here in Thornhill, they, they don't have. I can say that because I know it's not true. But with Jesus, that, that's exactly what happened. I'm the new kid on the block in North Cardiff. Jesus was the new kid on the block here in Galilee. And these people are realizing something about him that he teaches, that he preaches in a way that is unlike what they've heard uh, before. I wonder, have you seen that yet? Have you seen who Jesus is? Have you seen that he is God's? And that what he teaches and what he preaches uh, blows everything else out of the water? That's what these people realized. And we need to realize it too. But we see this point of recognizing who Jesus is more clearly in the, in, in the interactions between Jesus and this evil spirit. You see, verse 24, this evil spirit makes it really clear who it's speaking to. What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth. That's right, that's Jesus. The Jesus born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, the carpenter, the one you know, that Jesus, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I find this really quite scary, that something so evil and so violent can know exactly who Jesus is and remain unchanged. There's a challenge here for us, isn't there? 
What do you make of Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? It's possible to know exactly who Jesus is and remain unchanged. Let me tell you about Gary. Gary's not from a Christian background. He's a bright guy and headed off to university. And on his corridor university, there was a Christian called Ben. Ben invited Gary along to some meetings that the Christian Union were running uh, that week. And Gary started to investigate Christianity, started to figure out who Jesus is, started to read Mark's gospel, probably, of all the ones he could have read. And over a period of time, Gary realized that actually it was all true, that what we have here is reliable, that we can trust that, that this really did happen. He came to be persuaded of who Jesus is. He came to believe that Jesus really is God, that He really does offer salvation, the way we can be saved from the things we have done wrong, our sin. And yet, Gary didn't go ahead and then trust in Jesus Christ Himself. He knew exactly who Jesus is, and yet to this day, he remains unchanged. Please don't make the same mistake that Gary made uh, a few years ago and what we see this evil spirit doing in Mark's gospel. You see, the Jesus that we have here is being shown to be the same God that we meet in Genesis 1. The God who made the heavens and the earth. This Jesus is the same Jesus that we meet in Exodus 3, in the burning bush as he interacts with Moses. He says, I am who I am. It is Jesus Christ. This Jesus is the same uh, God that we read about in Psalm 46, the one who is a refuge and a strength, the one who is our fortress, the one who is our high tower. That is Jesus. This is Jesus recognize who he is. But it's not enough to just recognize who Jesus is. We must respond to what Jesus says. I'm doing uh, Christianity Explored at the moment. It's a bit like Alpha, if you've not heard of Christianity Explored. Um, there's a group of about 12 or 13 of us doing it on Sunday nights. Uh, and it goes through Mark's Gospel. And one of the, the key questions that's been asked in the early chapters of Mark's Gospel is, who is Jesus? What is his identity? And we were looking at this very uh, point last week that Jesus is God, but then I asked the group that were there, so what? So what? What difference does it make that Jesus is God? Well, if Jesus is God. If Jesus is that same God of the Old Testament, the one who created everything, the one who sustains everything, the one who gives life, the one who saves, the one who has authority over everything, we, we need to listen to him. We need to respond to what he says. He comes with authority. He is God himself. We need to listen, we need to respond, and we need to obey what Jesus says. But what is that? What does Jesus say? 
What is Jesus' message? What does Jesus teach? Well, you've already heard it so far in your series in Mark's Gospel. You read of it or heard it preached in verse 15. What does Jesus say? When Jesus turns up for this ministry, this preaching and teaching ministry that he has, he says this, repent and believe the good news. That's Jesus' message. That's what he teaches. Repent and believe the good news. What's repenting? It's to turn. It's to turn from the way I'm going, the way that I'm living, turning from from being in charge of my own life and turning to God, turning around, turning to Jesus, making Him King and Savior, trusting in Him, asking Him to forgive us. Turn, repent, and believe the good news. What is the good news? What is the gospel? What is Jesus' message? Is that he's the Messiah? Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the King. He's the one that God promised would come long ago, come to rescue people, come to die, to pay the price for sin. For all those who would trust in him, rely on him, pin their hopes on him and his cross. Make him their only hope in life and in death. I wonder this morning, have you recognized who Jesus is? That he's God, who has authority over the seen and the unseen. But have you responded to what Jesus says? It's not enough to just know who Jesus is. You need to respond to what he says. And for those of you who are not yet Christians, this is what Jesus says. Repent and believe the good news. Turn to him. Turn to him today. Don't delay any longer. Do it now. Turn to Jesus. But many of you, perhaps most of you, already have done that. Already have turned to Jesus. Already have put your faith in him. Well, what now? Well... We need to continue to respond to what Jesus says. Over all other voices, we need to listen and obey Jesus Christ. We live in a society, don't we, where there is free speech, and I think that is a good thing. Uh, We've seen in recent months countries around the world, like Russia, where there is no freedom of speech. It's a terrible thing. We live in a society where we enjoy that right. But one of the consequences of that is that there are lots of different voices out there. Lots of different voices will will say, uh, this is the way you should live. This is the way that you can be happy. This is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. In fact, they're all right. You can choose whatever you believe. We live in a country, in a society, where there are so many competing voices. Christian, dear brothers and sisters here this morning, Whose voice do you listen to the most? Whose voice do you listen to the most? We need to recognize who Jesus is, yes, and we need to respond to what he says. When it comes to issues of relationships, we need to respond to what Jesus says. Keep the marriage bed pure. 
When it comes to issues of how we use our money, we need to respond to what Jesus says. You cannot serve both God and money. When it comes to how we use our words, we need to respond to what Jesus says. Rid yourselves of slander, of filthy language. Do not lie to each other. When it comes to issues of what we believe about human sexuality, we need to respond to what Jesus says. God created them in his image. In his image, he created them male and female. He created them. When it comes to issues of worry, we need to respond to what Jesus says. Do not worry about this life, what you will eat or what you will drink. These are the things that Jesus teaches. We need to respond to them. How do we know what he teaches? Well, it's through this, through his words that he's given it to us. How are we going to get to know that? Well, read it. Read it if you can. Or listen to it. There are loads of audio Bibles out there. Podcasts, sermons on God's words. More importantly, come here. Make coming here on a Sunday morning a priority. Why? Because they open God's words. They teach you what Jesus says. And that's how we're going to find out about it. Make your groups in the, uh, midweek, whatever one you choose to go to, make that a priority. Why? Because they open God's words. And they teach you what Jesus says. You see, we need to recognize who Jesus is, and we need to respond to what Jesus says. But I want to finish with verse 28. Do you spot that? News about him, Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Who can tell me where that is? More specifically? Thornhill. How does news spread? Who's going to be brave to answer me? Who spreads news? People. You might use technology. But at the end of the day, news is spread... By people. Who's going to spread the news about Jesus in Thornhill? There is no other church in Thornhill. No other church. You are the church in Thornhill. Yes, there might be other Christians uh, going to other churches that live in Thornhill, and yes, their job is to reach this community, but you guys are the only church how is news going to spread quickly over the whole region of Thornhill? You. See, part of responding to what Jesus says is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, we need to recognize who Jesus is. He's God, who has authority over the seen and the unseen. And we need to respond uh, to what Jesus says so that those people out there can recognize who Jesus is and respond to what he 
says. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It brings life. It brings hope. It changes lives now and for eternity. And what Mark wants us to know is to recognize who Jesus is, that he's God, to respond to what he says in every area of life, and that we might take that message uh, to the region around us. And as we see the gospel run in this area of Cardiff, maybe we'll see it flow down to Clinician, to Kinkoy, to Heath, to Roth, to Butown, to Penarth, down the M4 to Carmarthen, Milford Haven, the other direction to London, to the ends of the earth. That is what we are called to as those who profess to follow Jesus Christ by his strength and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have opened our blind eyes. We thank you that you've shown us who the Lord Jesus Christ is. We praise you that he came. We praise you that he died. We praise you that he rose again. And Lord, we, we thank you that you've given us the privilege of being those who know you, and that you've charged us with the task of taking this wonderful message uh, to the world around us. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us to do that, not to build our own empires and not to make a name for ourselves, um, but for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has given himself for us. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much. Let's respond, let's stand, and let's sing this song as a prayer. Some powerful, challenging words in here that say, O church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. That's what he is. We're not playing at church. There's a battle, isn't there? There's a war that we're part of. And it's our response to that that's going to make the difference to those around us. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, will stand against the devil's lies, an army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness. So let's stand, let's sing this song as a prayer of response to what we've heard.